Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. You have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, trust you do, uh, or uh, a phone with it on it. Um, Please open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll be um, at verse 11 down through verse 14 in just a few moments. Uh, also, if you've you know, got a marker, a uh, ribbon or something, you want to mark chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we'll bounce back and forth a little bit this morning between uh, Hebrews 9 and uh, Hebrews 10. We're still in the series entitled Seriously Serving. Uh, today, we're going to focus upon this thought, save to serve, save to serve. Uh, yes, Jesus died on the cross to save you uh, out of a place of punishment, out of a place called hell, but because he did more than that, he, he wants to use your life. Jesus suffering on the cross, dying for you, means more than just you showing up at church and uh, leaving and going out and doing nothing to serve him or serve others or, or spread the gospel. Trusting in Christ as your Savior means more than uh, you just living your life however you want to, and then one day when you get to heaven, you pull out a uh, get-out-of-hell-for-free card, (laughs) uh, saying that you you, uh, have free entrance because of what Christ did. Yes, that's part of it. But the other part of it is He wants to use you and your life to serve Him. Now, a difficulty some people have with that thought is this. Some people can't get past their past. Sometimes what you've done in the past, your memory of what you've done, the guilt of what you've done, even for people that know Christ as their Savior, sometimes people struggle with their past so much that they convince themselves, I just can't do anything to serve God. After all, God's holy, holy, holy. So how how can I do anything to serve Him when I'm still carrying this guilt of things I've done in in the past? Hopefully today's message will help you with that a great deal, if that's who you are and if that's what you are uh, wrestling with many times. So uh, stand with me in honor of God's Word. I, I think we ought to do that more often. Maybe some weeks I remember to do it. Some weeks I don't. Uh, and not elevating one passage of Scripture above another, but man, when you see what this says, it's a reason to stand up, you know, when you see what the Bible tells us here in uh, in these verses. So uh, Hebrews chapter 9, begin at verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing, notice what it says, 
thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh. In other words, that's a, a ceremonial cleansing that was taking place. They would sprinkle blood on people going into the priesthood, those set aside as the Levites, even the uh, instruments used in the tabernacle of the temple, and that would set those things apart, sanctify those things. But to be saying if, if that would purify, sanctify the flesh, those that are going to serve as priests in the Old Testament. How much more... With the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Notice what it says here. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Father, I pray you be with us this morning. I pray you encourage us, help us to recognize the full extent of the work that your son did on the cross on our behalf. Father, help us to have the faith that we need to break the devil's finger off whenever he points in our face and reminds us of our past. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice two main truths today that, that help us understand how or why we're saved, but also can, can help us see that you and I can serve the God that the Bible says in Revelation is holy, holy, holy. That you and I, irregardless of our past, can move beyond our past and actually serve the God that is holy. So here's the first truth I want you to notice today. Jesus secured, we read it a moment ago in these verses, Jesus secured an eternal redemption. Well, what Jesus did was once and for all. Well, what Jesus did has an ongoing effect. What Jesus did is not like the Old Testament, to where the sacrifices were temporary. And we're going to talk about that some this morning to, to help you understand. Matter of fact, the scriptures in Hebrews are contrasting the Old Testament sacrificial system with the new covenant that Jesus purchased for us in his own blood. So as we contrast these two things, I want to talk to you a little bit about the tabernacle or even the temple. I'm using the tabernacle today, but the same type of sacrifices were happening in the temple. And I want you to notice something about the Old Testament sacrifices. They were temporary. They were temporary. The, the tabernacle sacrificial system was temporary. And because of that, it equals an incomplete forgiveness all the sacrifices, all the animal sacrifices that took place never, ever finished the plan of redemption. It never, ever offered a complete forgiveness. In the first part of verse 11, the Bible says, but when Christ appears a high priest of the good things that have come. The phrase, but when, is talking about that, the old sacrificial system, but now that Jesus has appeared, and still the old sacrificial system and all the pictures and the types that were involved there. But now, but when Jesus has appeared as the ultimate high priest, in the Old Testament there would be different high priests that would serve. They would serve for their lifetime, unless they had some type of huge moral failure. They would serve for their lifetime, die, another high priest would be appointed. That never happened with Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate eternal high priest. Jesus as the high priest not only 
offered a blood sacrifice, he himself is also the priest that did it. He's our sacrifice and high priest rolled into one. So now what is being said here, now all those types and pictures of the Old Testament sacrificial system have now come to reality in a total fulfillment through Christ. Now to help us understand that better, I I want you to understand some things about the old system about the old sacrificial system, about the sacrifices that were taking place in the tabernacle or in the temple. First thing I want you to notice is this. The tabernacle sanctuary was on earth. Guys, the fact that it's on earth means it's in a fallen world. Amen? We live in a fallen world. You'll, you'll see the other ultimate heavenly sanctuary is completely different in a few moments. The old sacrificial system was a shadow or a type or a picture of things to come. And the things to come, more or less, you could boil that down and say, the things to come is Jesus. Because that's what all the old sacrificial system was pointing to, that Jesus would come, that he would be the ultimate once and forever sacrifice for our sins that we're going to focus on and read this morning. He, Hebrews 10.1 said this, For since the law was a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, They were just a shadow, a picture, a type. Jesus himself is the true form. The gospel is the true form. Jesus and the gospel is a total fulfillment of everything that old sacrificial system pointed to. Third thing I want you to see about the tabernacle is this. The most holy place, and I'll explain more about that in a moment. The most holy place, or the holies of holies as sometimes called, was inaccessible to just average people. average people. Only the high priest, you could turn and look in Hebrews 9, 6, and 7. I'm not going to read it this morning, but only the high priest could enter the most holy place. The the most holy place represented the presence of God himself. I've got a picture in my office. If you've ever been in there, you might've seen it. If not, you're welcome to go in and and look, but it's a, a picture, a depiction of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And there's this glory cloud coming down into what's called the most holy place. The only person that could go into the most holy place was the high priest of that day. And he could only go in on the day of atonement. There's only one time a year that he could go in. That's how exclusive it was. If anyone else were to walk in there, they would have died. In fact, when the high priest would go in, they would, on the Day of Atonement, they would tie a rope around his ankle in case something happened and he died to where they could remove him because they couldn't go in after him. Guys, we we, we fail to understand in our day the holiness of God, I'm afraid. That gives us a picture of how holy God is how righteous God is, that only the high priest could go in. Now, now it wasn't just that. There was an outer area called the, the holy place, and you've got the most holy place. Let me explain a little bit about that. In the holy place, you had a candlestick that kind of stands for spiritual illumination. You had a table of shoe bread that stands for spiritual sustenance. And you also had a, 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 a table of incense that was there, an altar of incense that represented acceptable prayer to God. And whenever the Levite priest would go into the holy place, not the most holy place, that can only be entered once a year, but whenever they would go in and minister before the Lord, they would go into that place and minister. Before they would go in, though, there's something else that happens in the outer court. 
Give the idea of this being like a, a tent with a big curtain in the middle, and then there's a big outer court with curtains hung all the way around. Not anyone could just even walk into the outer court because it had to be someone of Jewish faith. They even guarded the doors against that. But when you went in the entrance to the tabernacle, there was an altar of sacrifice that was there. That's where they were killing the animals. Beyond that, there was a labyrinth where they would clean themselves. And also, by the way, see their reflection. I think you've heard me say this before if you've been around here very long. To me, that brass lather is the type of the Word of God. Because when we look in here, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me how sinful I am. And when those priests would look down at that brass lather, they'd see their own reflection. The guy helped set their mentality before they would go in to minister before God in the, in the holy place. But what I want you to understand, in the old sacrificial system, only the high priest could go into the very presence of God. Now, that'll come into play. Remember that. That'll come into play more in just a minute. The temporary, something else I want you to see about the tabernacle and the old sacrificial system is that it was temporary and the sacrificial work had to be repeated over and over and over and over. Now, in the outer part to where the altar of death was, the altar of, of sacrifice, guys, there were offerings taking place all the time, you know, 24-7. But it was only on the Day of Atonement when they made that special offering where the blood would be carried back into the, into the most holy place. The reason it's important to understand it was repeated over and over again, that means it was insufficient. If the sacrifice of all those animals took care of our sin, then they would only have to have done it once and not ever do it again. But it was repeated over and over and over again. Hebrews 10, 1, the second part of verse 1, says it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would have ceased to be offered. In other words, if those sacrifices of those animals could have made us perfect, could have made the people of that day perfect, then why did they keep on offering the sacrifices is the argument that he's making. And then I want you to notice this also in Hebrews 10, verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, often repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never, notice this, guys, which can never take away sin. The sacrifice of an animal, while God required that for it to be a type or a picture of the penalty of sin, the sacrifice of an animal can never fully pay for the sins of human beings. That's why Jesus becomes flesh. That's why he had to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. And we'll read more about that in a moment. But what I want you to understand here is this. There was a constant sacrifice being made in the tabernacle. So the work of the priest was never done. And on the Day of Atonement, even though that was a special day when the blood was poured out on the mercy seat. Now, let me say more about that. In the most holy place where only the high priest could go on the Day of Atonement, one of the things there, the main feature in, in the, the holy place is this. The Ark of the Covenant was found there. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, among other things, was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is what does this. It reminds us we're sinners, amen? It points out to us, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. 
So the high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement, and he would take the blood sacrifice, and he would pour it on something called the mercy seat that was on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And there were golden angels there, cherubim, that were kind of stretching out over that mercy seat. And the blood was applied on the Day of Atonement, which gives a picture of this. The Ten Commandments that accuses us of our sin, that shows us how sinful we are. And holy God, guess what would stand between holy God and the Ten Commandments in us? And it would be the blood that was poured out on the mercy seat. But guys, it was insufficient. It was incomplete because it was an annual event that the high priest would have to go in every year on that day of atonement and pour that blood out. So that sacrifice and all the other sacrifices were insufficient to fully deal with our sin. Next thing I want you to see about the Old Testament system is this. It was ineffective in changing hearts, lives, or completely clearing the conscience. It was ineffective in changing hearts, lives, or completely clearing consciences. Look at Hebrews 10, 2 and 3. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having been cleansed, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. Now, that's talking about the Day of Atonement. But not just on the Day of Atonement. When someone took a sacrificial animal to be offered, you know what they were thinking? I'm a sinner because I'm a sinner. This needs to be done. On the Day of Atonement, especially when all the people were there and they knew the high priest was going in, it didn't clean their conscience. Instead, it did this. It reminded them that they were a sinner. Because I'm a sinner, this is being done. And it would happen every year annually on the Day of Atonement. Or the other sacrifices happening all the time would have been constant reminders that they were sinners. They, they did not get any help with their conscience and with their guilt because they were constantly reminded of their sin. So because the Old Testament sacrificial system was temporary and because it only offered temporary or incomplete forgiveness, what we needed was this. We needed the cross of Jesus. Amen? So let's look at the cross of Jesus and let's contrast or compare the cross of Jesus with that Old Testament sacrificial system. What Jesus did for us on the cross. Instead of it being temporary, what Jesus did for us is eternal. The, the once and for all sacrifice of Christ brings about not partial, not temporary forgiveness, but eternal redemption. Hebrews 9, 12 says this, He entered once for all, not annually, not repetitively. He entered once for all into the holy places. Now, some people say, what, what does that mean? Well, people view it two different ways. They view that when Jesus is on the cross, that was as though that was the mercy seat of God. Some people believe this, and I don't know what I don't lean this way a whole lot. I can't explain how, and no one can explain how. But I believe somehow, after Jesus died on the cross for our sins, I believe somehow he also, during that interim time when he was in the grave, somehow entered the most holy place in heaven with a display of his blood that was on God's heavenly mercy seat, on God's eternal mercy seat that was shed 
for our sins. He entered once into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and cows, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing what I read to you a moment ago, an eternal redemption. In the Old Testament sacrifice, the high priest would go in, and he's offering for his own sin and the sin of the people, but he is taking in a sacrifice of blood that was from an animal. <laughs> Jesus is our high priest and our sacrifice all rolled into one. And Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, he is our high priest, also offered his blood as our eternal sacrifice. And because comparison between the new covenant provided by Jesus and the old sacrificial system. I told you a minute ago, in the tabernacle, it was on earth. Well, the sanctuary that Jesus offered in was the most holy place in heaven. Verse 11, the second part of it, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Jesus, in fact, his own body was the tent, guys, that he went through. His own body is our access point. But Jesus did not go into some earthly tent to offer his blood. The sacrificial work endured by Jesus is forever accomplished. I told you a moment ago what took place in the Old Testament sacrificial system happened over and over and over again, especially on the day uh, of redemption that they would have that, that, that would be offered once on that day of atonement. They would do it annually every year, but Jesus does it once and for all. Once and for all, he goes in. It's said there in Hebrews 9, 12, once for all, and then it says later, by his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Listen to Romans 10, 4 through 14. For it is impossible. In other words, it, it don't work this way. It can't happen. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. But notice what Jesus says here. But a body... You have prepared me. Go back to what he just said. The sacrifice of animals cannot sufficiently pay for sin. So guess what? God became flesh. God, the Son, became flesh. He took on a human body. In that way, he could fully pay for the sin of mankind in human form as he would go to the cross. Let's keep reading. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, this is Jesus talking, then I said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross was prophesied, it was told. That's what the whole Bible's about, guys. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. And this is what the Father's will is. <laughs> He, talking about Jesus, abolishes the first, all that Old Testament sacrificial system we were talking about, in order to establish the second, the, the, the New Testament covenant of Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Verse 10, and by that, and by that will, we have been sanctified. In other words, we've been set apart as we trust in, in what Christ did for us on the cross. We've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Notice what it says here. Once for all. Now, now focus on that for a minute. If it's once for all, why don't you get over your past? 
Because he's not going to do something else to help you get over your past and what he's already done. Verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But notice verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. In other words, it won't be repeated. No annual day of atonement. Jesus on the cross for all time offered a single sacrifice of himself on the cross for sin. It said he sat down at the right hand of God. You want to know why he sat down? There's nothing else he could do to accomplish God's plan of salvation. He had fulfilled everything in order that we might be saved. Let's keep reading. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. And then look at verse 14. For by a single offering, sanctify. Now, now let me explain that. The Bible, when it talks about sanctification, talks about it in different tenses. The moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were sanctified. God set you apart into him, to himself, that never changes. But at the same time, since you have been set apart into him, you are being sanctified. He's working on you, trying to make you more and more and more into the image of Christ. But it says those that he is sanctifying as far as your forgiveness, as far as doctrinally speaking, as far as your redemption take, is concerned, God looks at you as though you have been perfected. Did you see what that said in that verse? Now, I understand you may not feel perfect, and I don't feel perfect, but I'm telling you, that's how God views us. If you really know Christ as your Savior, because he imputed to you the very righteousness of his Son. When God sees you, he sees his Son. God looks at you as though you are perfect. Now, now let me meddle a little bit. If that is true, you have no excuse not to be serving God. You don't need to let your past keep you in the past. Because as far as God's concerned, you are perfect. And He wants to use your life to serve Him and to impact the lives of others. No condemnation, Romans 8.1. There's therefore the little word, Now. <laughs> Not one day in heaven, right now. If you know Christ, you say there's no condemnation. So God says he looks at you as though you're perfect. Don't let that keep you from serving him. Another comparison is this. The sacrificial work of Jesus is this then, guys. It means he's completely, what he did on the cross for us, is completely sufficient to change lives, to change hearts, to change eternal destinies, and to do this. To provide us a clean conscience, a clear conscience, because we're trusting in what he did for us on the cross. One more comparison, the forever finished once and for all sacrifice of Christ gives those forgiven direct access to the heavenly mercy seat, direct access to the presence of of God. Remember what I told you earlier about the Old Testament? Only 
On the day of atonement, could the high priest go into the most holy place? I don't know what he saw back there. I, John, I don't know that's ever been described fully where anybody knows what the high priest, even in the scriptures, what the high priest would have seen and experienced back there. But imagine this. You're walking back into the very presence of God to pour out the blood on the mercy seat. But that could only happen that one person, that one person, the high priest could only do that once a year. <laughs> you know what Jesus did for us? Do you remember the story surrounding his crucifixion and the earthquake taking place? And you remember when people went and looked at the temple, that heavy curtain in the temple that separated everyone from that most holy place, the presence of God, that heavy curtain that was made of heavy skins that you could not just tear, a human being could not have torn. And by the way, it wasn't torn from the bottom to the top. It was torn from the top to the bottom. And that symbolizes this. We don't need any other high priest. Jesus is our high priest. He fulfilled everything necessary, and that gives you and I direct access to holy God. I don't have to go to a confessional booth and ask someone to pray for me. I have direct access to holy God. Now, now, th now think about the impact of that. That was so special and so holy only the high priest could go back once a year and he had to do everything just like God told him to. And he could only go there once a year. Now, we have access to the presence of God all the time. But think about this. A human being can only access in the Old Testament sacrifice the most holy place one time a year on the Day of Atonement. You know what's happened now? God has come to live inside your life if you're a believer. You're his tent. You're his most holy place. And if that's true, get over your past and serve him. Second main point I want you to see, the second main truth, and I need to hurry with it, is this. The applied blood of Christ frees you to serve God. Now by the applied Blood of Christ, I'm, I'm saying by you having faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Just you knowing the facts of, well, I, I heard that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood. Just knowing the facts of that doesn't benefit you any, but it's when you apply it by faith. When you trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross by faith, when you do that, that applied blood of Christ frees you to serve God. It's not like the Old Testament sacrifice to where you're just sprinkled with a little bit of blood on the outside to ceremonially clean you to serve God. It is completely different. So let, let's do a little bit more of comparison between the old and the new. In, in the old, this is what took place. There's an external purification for serving God. Hebrews 9.13 says, For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh. And, and then it's going to go on, but let's stop and freeze there for a minute. What they're speaking of is that things were set aside, like a, the Levitical priesthood. Those priests were set aside symbolically, ceremonially, to serve God. And, and they would take a uh, part of a hyssop plant and dip it in blood and go along and sprinkle it on the outside of those people in a, in a ceremony on the outside of, of those people. 
They would even do it for, for vessels and instruments that were used in the tabernacle or the temple. Those were sprinkled also, but it was a ceremony. Now, now while all that ceremony might have been great because you're, you're standing there and someone's coming and they're sprinkling you with blood and they're setting you aside to serve God, all that's great, but you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't change your heart. And it doesn't change your mind. And it doesn't clear your conscience from your past. Because it's just an external thing that's taking place. An external ceremony. So in comparison to that, what Jesus did for us on the cross is not just external, it's internal. And it's an eternal purification for serving God. Because look at verse 14. If it were true that the sprinkling of persons with that blood, if that was true, and it was, that they would kind of set them aside, a ceremony for the purification of the flesh, set them aside, distinguish them to be serving God. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify not just the outside, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Grab hold of the point that's being made there. The external sprinkling of that blood could ceremonially purify a person. But how much more should the blood of Christ, not an animal, but the blood of God's own son, who shed God's blood on the cross for our sins. How much more should the blood of Christ, who's the ultimate perfect sacrifice without sin or blemish, once applied by faith, purify our conscience from dead works that can never save us anyway. You can never be good enough. You can never do enough to earn your way into heaven. No matter what ceremonies you go through, no matter how many animal sacrifices you might want to make, no matter how many works you want to try and perform, those will never, ever fully save. But Jesus dying on the cross gives us a clear and clean conscience that sets us free from ser- to serve the living God. And here's why. It's a done thing. It's never repeated. It's never ever like an annual day of atonement. Jesus once and for all died on the cross for our sins. He's taken care of it forever. There's no need for you to have the recurring guilt in your mind from your past. Jesus paid for your past. Your, your past has been paid for. Your past has been purchased by, by the shed blood of Jesus. He wants and for all shed his blood for your sin. And guys, we need to allow that truth to purge our conscience as believers and understand and be reminded that we've got an unchanging and a perfect standing before God. And the knowledge that we are eternally forgiven and have an unchanging, perfect standing before God ought to set us free from the guilt of your past and now serve God. You are saved to serve. Now, let me give you a little distinction. Thank God for grace, amen? But as I said a moment ago, I think people overlook the holiness of God in this day and time. So holy the high priest would have died if he went back and somehow disobeyed God when he's in the most holy place. You need to understand this distinction. If you know Christ authentically as your Savior, you have been eternally forgiven. That never, ever changes. Your relationship with God is sealed. 
He's your heavenly Father. You're part of His family. But at the same time, if you've got active sin in your life, that cannot affect your relationship with God. That's permanent. That's sealed. But it can affect your fellowship with God. So while I'm trying to set your conscience free today, I'm telling you to get over your past. If it's in your past, it's under the blood. Jesus paid for it. Don't let that rob you of serving God. At the same time, I'm also telling you, if you've got active sin in your life, you need to repent of that sin because God is a holy God. And once you repent of that sin, <laughs> leave it alone and don't let it keep you from serving God. Don't let that haunt your conscience either. Because He has saved us to serve Him. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 15 through 18. We're about done. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then He adds, notice what He says here. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds how often no more <laughs> under the new covenant under the sacrifice that jesus has made for our sin god says i will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more where there's forgiveness of these there's no longer any offering for sin there's nothing else you can do through the blood of Christ and His righteousness given to our account, imputed to us, God remembers our sin no more. If Christ has saved you guys, He has set you free, and your conscience needs to be set free to serve the living God. Christ provided our redemption. It's a settled thing. It's taken care of. And if you've trusted Him by faith, that's, that, that's, that's a settled forever in heaven. Let it be settled in your mind also. Some people can't push beyond their past. Some people, when you try to talk to them about serving God, but, but, I, but I don't think I can because of, I, I understand that. I've been through that. Right after God called me to ministry, the first church I went to, I'm up there waiting to get up to preach. And the devil comes by and points his crooked little finger in my face and says, what are you doing up here? Don't you remember what you did back then? So I understand the feeling. I understand the sentiment. Because here's the deal with that. If you're focusing on your past and think you can't serve God because you're focusing on your past, quit focusing on your past and focus on the cross. Because on the cross, he paid for that past. On the cross, he paid for your sin. If you're carrying around a load of guilt and you don't think you can do anything at all that pleases God, you need to take another look at the cross because Jesus fully satisfied the holy demands of a righteous God on the cross. Over the last few months, not just been during COVID, but the last, I don't know, the last year or two, it seemed like it's getting worse all the time. You ever get frustrated when you go shopping in a store and you can't see the price tag on what you're looking at? 
I, I told Becky before, I think I'm cursed because everything I want to buy, there's never a price tag. Almost all the time, there's never a price tag. There's not a sign on the shelf, and, and there's not a sticker on it like I'm used to. And I'm taking it, going looking for an, an employee in Walmart or somewhere saying, can you scan this and tell me how much it is? Well, preacher wants you to just take it to the front because they may charge me $50 more for it than I think it's worth. That's why. It frustrates the diggers out of me not to know the cost of something. Jesus made it really clear how much sin cost. He made it really clear how much salvation cost. When he put his son on a cross. For our sins. But once you trust Him, guys, once you trust in Him, please understand He wants to use you. The devil wants to stop you. The devil wants to remind you of your past. I heard a pastor, and I, I can't remember exactly who it was. It might have been Rick Amato years ago, and he was talking about Paul being in the little damp dungeon that they put him in when he was arrested in Rome. And Paul had given everything to follow Christ and serve him. He said he could imagine Satan kind of coming by and pointing his old bony finger at, at Paul and saying, look, look what's happening to you. Look where this got you. And he said, you know what Paul did? He reached out and he broke his finger off and he reminded him of the cross of Jesus. That's what you need to do with your past. When he comes pointing his finger at you, or uses some legalistic person to come pointing his finger at you, you just remember the cross. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I, God, I want to pray for my own heart, my life, but Father, I want to pray for these others that are gathered here. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't authentically know Christ as Savior, I pray that somehow through this message, they got a sense of your holiness and they got a sense of your love, that you loved us so much you sent your Son to die on the cross to once and for all pay for sin to secure forever an eternal redemption. Father, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Christ, I, I pray you would draw them to yourself. But Father, for those of us that know Him and we don't have any question marks on our salvation, Lord, there may be people here today that have question marks on being able to serve question marks on their usability question marks over their past Father I pray today that you will set people free from their past that you'll help them to understand you've taken care of their past you've set them free to where they with a clean clear conscience can serve you that are holy 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 Father, I also pray for believers here that may have active sin in their life. 
culture may be telling them what they're doing is okay, but Father, you tell us differently in your word. And Father, if there's any active sin in lives that need to be repented today, Father, I pray right now that you'd lead that person to be serious about their sin and serious about your holiness and and that they would repent of that sin and move forward without a guilty conscience and serve you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, if you know you're sitting there this morning, you understand you've never ever really taken care of it. You've heard about it. Maybe you've gone to church all your life, but you've never really taken care of your sin problem. The only thing that will work is Jesus on the cross. If you've never trusted in Him, why not do so today? And if you're a believer and you've been wrestling around with your guilt and and everything, let me ask you a question. What more can you do than what Jesus has already done? to get over your past. (laughs) There's nothing I can, nothing you can do more than what Jesus did on the cross. That's why we need just to remember what he did for us and get over our past and serve him. If God speaks to you during this time of invitation, we invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and his mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.